If you brought your scriptures with you, or have a smartphone that you would like to turn to the Bible app or also BibleGatewayAll.com always works. I am reading from the English Standard Version. We are now with our second prophet that we are looking at. We're in a sermon series of looking at biblical prophets, and this one is Elijah. There's lots of things we could have looked at. I am looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. We'll set the tone once we do the message, but let us just hear the scripture and then we will look at it more in depth. Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here? Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've thrown down your altars, they've killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it to pieces, and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they now seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Heziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall appoint to be king over Israel in Elisha, the son of Shaphath, of Abel-Melah. You shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehal put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I've been fascinated with magnifying glasses since I was a kid. Believe it or not, I still have my grandmother's magnifying glass that got handed down to my father, and as a child, I started to play with it, and I thought it was a very fascinating, cool thing. I think that's probably why all the scratches are on it. But after my parents passed away, it just naturally got handed to Regina and myself. Now, you can ask Regina whether it's her magnifying glass or mine, because as I was getting ready for the message, she actually said it was hers, but that's another story for another day. 
The reason I'm referring to this magnifying glass is because I was talking to Beth, our lay leader, this last week, and she told me something that she had written on a napkin in her kitchen, and she told me where the quote come from, but then she checked with the person, and the person didn't seem to have the quote and didn't know anything about it, and we Googled it, and we couldn't find the quote, so I'm going to attribute it to Beth Leary. So she gets quoted in our message. And she said to me, our thoughts are like a magnifying glass. The more we focus on something, the larger it gets. So why not focus on the goodness of God? Now, that came from a napkin in the kitchen of our lay leader. Other than that, we don't know where the quote comes from. But that's really what I want us to think about when we think about Elijah. What we focus on. Because it is very easy to lose all of our peace and all of our serenity and all that God wants to offer in our lives when we focus on the wrong things. Today's message is about the battle for our minds. There's a battle for what you think. There's a battle for what I think. Because if we can just go to all the negative other places where we shouldn't go, there's not much we can do. Amen? Think about it. When we just go to all that negative, destructive things, there's not much we can do in our lives. Amen? It's true. It's a danger. There's a battle constantly for our minds. You see, with Elijah as an Old Testament prophet, it was not success that was his problem. It was what he thought about. There were times when life went great and went really well for him, and there were other times, like the text that we find and the one we're going to look at, where things didn't go well, but a lot of it had to do with what he was thinking of. His story includes stories like the time when there's a famine and there's a widow who doesn't have anything to eat, and he goes in, and a miracle is performed, and she and her son are kept alive. Or the time when the widow's son dies, and Elijah literally lays on him and breathes, and the child comes back to life. There's a time when Elijah confronts King Ahab, and right out calls the king for his injustice and his wrong ways of living. And then, of course, they have the famous Mount Carmel incident where Elijah and the prophets of Baal are on Mount Carmel, and Elijah, knowing that the prophets of Baal are the prophets of Baal, who is the God over nature, says, well, if your God is God, and he says to the people, if Baal is God, serve him, but if God is God, serve God, and challenges the prophets of Baal to show that if Baal has got all this power over nature, just do something like light a sacrifice, bring down lightning from, from heaven and light this sacrifice. And of course, they can't do it. And then Elijah takes water. It's interesting he just takes the same sacrifice on Mount Carmel that the prophets of Baal could not get to be lit, and he pours water on it so much that it fills the trenches, and then he prays, the lightning strikes, the sacrifice is burned. Now that's success, great success. And we like to think that if things go well, our life is going to be in a good place, but then Jezebel, the queen, threatens Elijah and instantly... He has something else under his magnifying glass. Rather than looking at all the goodness and the faithfulness of God and letting that be magnifying in his life, 
the opposition in his life gets magnified. That's what he starts looking at, and that's where we find him in our text this afternoon. He's out in a cave, all alone. Verses 4 and 5, it's previous to our text, says these words, tells us how he was isolated in the wilderness. It says, Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. This was all in Elijah's head. Elijah has had these successes, these great things that have happened, these amazing times in which God has shown up and he's shown to be faithful and he's confronted a king and he's helped a widow and he's confronted the prophets of Baal and now there's some opposition and in his mind he starts looking at what's negative and he goes and he runs away. Can't we identify with that? Things start going bad, that's all we look at or there's a problem in our life, we concentrate on it, it gets magnified, it becomes bigger and bigger. You see, if we focus on all the negative things in our society, it'll drive us crazy. And I believe that that's Satan's playground, playing around in our mind, just trying to get us to focus on all the wrong things. The scripture over and over talks about how our minds are a place where we need to guard what we think about and guard what we pay attention to. I think of passages of like Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Look to God. Look to that which is good. Romans 12, verses 2 and 3 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. Paul's saying, look at what you think about. When life gets struggles and problems and you feel overwhelmed, take a step back and say, what's under my magnifying glass? What am I making big? What am I allowing to become greater in my life? And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we're told that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And yet we spend all of our time, or much of our time, rather than focusing on the things that are positive, rather than seeing the things that are good, rather than things what God wants to do in our life and the optimistic things that can get us through and help us have a good day, we unfortunately become like Elijah and put the wrong thing under our microscope, wrong thing under our magnifying glass. And all of a sudden, that peace and that serenity that, that Elijah should have been half, having, especially after this confrontation with the prophets of Baal, is totally out the window. And we find ourselves out in a desert under a broom tree. You see, negativity under our magnifying glass isn't just a bad idea, it robs us of peace. You hear that? If we're focused on that which is negative and that which is bad, and that doesn't mean we have to live some Pollyannish life in which we don't pay attention to problems of the world, but when all we focus on are the things that are wrong or the things that trouble us or the things that concern us and we worry about it, as my mother used to say, all we're doing is borrowing trouble. We're taking things that may or may not happen. And when that's all we magnify, it robs us of peace. In our text, it starts with verse 9, the passage that I read earlier. We're told that then Elijah came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 
what in the world are you doing here, Elijah? By focusing on the fact that there were those who were against him, Elijah literally finds himself in a literal cave in isolation. Now, probably in our own lives, when we start focusing on things that are negative and things that trouble us and they become huge under a magnifying glass, we don't go to a physical cave. But haven't we all gone to those mental and emotional caves, those places where we go to dark thinking and start focusing on something that we shouldn't and then it becomes bigger and then we can't get off of it? And we become like Elijah out in the wilderness. And then in verse 10, Elijah said, Listen, I've been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. But the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars, and they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only I am left. And now they seek my life to take it away. God literally listens as Elijah rants. So do the poor me's, isn't it? Notice the I, I, I only, my life. And what does he say about others? The people have forsaken you. They, 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 they've done all the wrong things. Me, I'm the only one who's right. I'm the one, only one who's staying faithful and true. In our world today, far too many people become like Elijah, focusing on all that is negative and all that is bad, feeling like I'm the only one who's faithful. Let's be careful in our life when we blame others and isolate Let's be careful in our lives when we start blaming everyone else and isolate. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. We start only seeing things from our own limited perspective. We're in the middle of a pandemic, if you haven't noticed. I think it's become apparent to most of us by now. And people have isolated. People have isolated. People struggle when they isolate. And it takes more work than it normally does to connect with others, but it becomes incumbent on us to connect with others, to realize we got to get out of our heads. We can't live in that dangerous neighborhood. When all we do is we stay up here and start seeing things from that perspective, pretty soon one day we find ourselves not much different than Elijah out in a cave. There's a running coach that my son had up in Boston. His name was Fred, Fred Tressler. And one day he was talking to one of the gifted runners in the state of Massachusetts, and the kid just kept asking a question and another question, and what about this, and what about if this happens, and how about this, and should I do this? And finally Fred just looked at him and said, young man, you are overthinking. The muscle you need to work on is the six inches between your ears. That's good advice for all of us, isn't it? I often say it's the weakest six, that's where I get my quote, the weakest six inches, the weakest muscle in our body is that six inches between our ears. And when we become like Elijah, we go to that negative place and we go to that dark place and then we isolate and we blame others and we double down on what doesn't work. Guy I knew years ago, Charlie, lived in Massachusetts and that all the negative people are in Massachusetts. He just couldn't take it anymore. He saved and he saved and he saved and he finally is moving to Florida. He had to get away from everybody that was bad. And he made an amazing discovery when he got to Florida. All the negative people had moved there with him. <laughs> we have to be careful that we don't become like Elijah. 
We don't just double down on what doesn't work and think that it's everybody else's fault and everything else is negative, and we just keep putting that under our magnifying glass and we see it more. We go to social media and we click on something and then more of it comes up and pretty soon we go, everybody's seeing the things the same as I am. Man, it's even worse than I thought. Because God wants us to change what's under our magnifying glass. An awful lot of the Christian life and the spiritual life is learning to realize that we do not have to magnify all the things that are bad and negative that God has good things for us to do today. That God's promises continue to be true. And there's so much to be thankful in every single moment, even in the worst of our situations. God provides these positive places for us to trust and to grow and to realize that God is doing something good. That's why in verses 11 and 12 of our passage, God says to Elijah, go out, get out of here. Sometimes that's what we need to say to ourselves when we find ourselves isolating and thinking, can things really be this bad? We need to hear God say, go out and stand before the mountain of the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. And there's a great and a strong wind before the mountain, and it broke in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Think about that. Elijah's in a cave, and God got him to literally physically change his perspective. God literally shook him and said, get up, get out of here. Like, get up on a mountain. Go get a different perspective. And now he's standing there. And he gives us a basic Christian principle. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If we're not willing to change, nothing changes. If we live our lives and we're in a stuck place and nothing changes, nothing's going to change and our life's not going to get better. God didn't say to Elijah, you know, buddy, you're doing pretty good, like being depressed there in the cave and you know, life is pretty tough, and I agree with you. You know, it's, it's gotten pretty awful, so why don't you kind of sit there and wallow about it for a few more days? God says, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Get out of the cave, go up on a mountain. And we, if we live in a cave feeling sorry for ourselves, do you know what happens? We'll live in a cave feeling sorry for ourselves. If we live in a cave feeling sorry for ourselves, We'll live in a cave, feeling sorry for ourselves. That's why God helped Elijah change his focus. That's also why our smartphones are a very dangerous thing, because you know they really are smart. As soon as we start looking for something negative, they're going to give us more of that negative. And as soon as we start finding some crazy idea, they're going to give us more of that crazy idea. If you don't believe it, just start Googling something negative, and you'll be amazed. You'll get emails, you'll get text messages, you'll all of a sudden discover there's a lot of other people who have those crazy thoughts. As I like to say, if I go and I start thinking, oh my goodness, there was a Martian who landed in Carver yesterday, and I start Googling it, I'll find out there's a hundred other people who think a Martian landed in Carver yesterday, and pretty soon I'll think, oh, everybody in the world is thinking the same thing. And our smartphones are part of the problem. Because while we live in a smartphone society where people get negative and caught up in negativity and just get more and more and more of it, and we become like Elijah. We find ourselves in that negative place where we need to change our focus. And that's why I love what happens to Elijah as he gets up on the mountain. In comes a strong wind. But God's not in the strong wind. And in comes an earthquake. 
and God's not in the earthquake, and in comes a fire, and God's not in the fire. And so we ask ourselves, why? And so I ask myself that question, because I've asked it every time I read this text, and I went and looked for a whole bunch of different people who had opinions on it, and they all disagreed, and I realized the answer is, we don't really know why God wasn't in any of those things. Therefore, I came up with my idea, and I'm going to tell you why God wasn't in any of those things. Often, we want big solutions. We want something big, something amazing. God, do something huge in my life to show me that you're here and that things can be better. And all we need is something little. We just need to change our focus. We just need to quit having the wrong things under a magnifying glass and realize that God wants us to live out of faith and out of trust. That's why verses 12 and 13 go on and say, after the fire, the sound of a low whisper... And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood before the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? That's what God says to us at those places when we think the world is all against us and things can't get worse. And I cannot believe that there is 50% of the country believing the exact opposite thing as me, which is true because 50% of the people seem to believe this and 56% seem to believe that. So no matter what, there's always 50% of the people who are going to disagree with this. And if that's all we do is go, I cannot believe how people can have such crazy ideas different from me and we just get ourselves all wrapped up, We need to hear God whisper to us. Not something big to shake us up, but just a change of perspective. It's literally like Elijah pulled out his Bible and read a psalm. That's little. That'll do it. We get to those moments when we're like, can it get any crazier? Look at all the stuff that's going on. We say, maybe I'll just pull out my Bible and read the 23rd psalm or the 100th Psalm, or Psalm 1. You see, God gives us what we need, but we need to quiet ourselves and slow down and listen. When we're struggling, it's important that we quiet ourselves and slow down and ask for help. Rather than thinking that we can be like Elijah and figure it out for ourselves, it didn't work very well for him. Here, this great prophet, this guy who's done amazing things, and he's hiding out in a cave. And the Bible's kind of making a point there for every single one of us to realize we can't do it all on our own. That's why we have family. That's why we have friends. That's why we have spouses and doctors and counselors and pastors. And somebody to reach out to and say, you know, I'm kind of struggling here and I need a little bit of help. See, one of the concerns a lot of us have about the pandemic is not as much that it certainly is health things, but it's also mental health things, but what happens to people when we isolate human beings and we become responsible for realizing we have to reach out, we have to talk to people, we need to communicate with people, we need to get outside of ourselves because God speaks through people today. You see, we cannot see everything and that's why God put others in our lives. Because our perspective, as great as it is, and every one of us 
has that mind, just like Fred Tressler said to the runner, you know, we've got that mind that we think we have it all figured out. Guess what? We don't. And our perspectives are limited. I was a middle schooler when my favorite teacher, she'll always be my favorite teacher, taught us a story about the guy who had x-ray vision. It was amazing because he could see things that nobody else could see. And the king in the kingdom became so convinced that this was incredible. Once the guy in his kingdom convinced him that he had x-ray vision, he would literally hold a box up and the king would put something in it. And the guy with x-ray vision could see exactly what was in it. The king became super impressed. This is like amazing. He said, I'm going to challenge everybody in the kingdom. If anyone can steal anything with this guy as guard, I will give you a million dollars. All I'm going to do is I'm going to place the guard at the entrance, and you have to take something out of my kingdom, and you have to get it past this guy. So every single day, people would come up. They'd hide silverware. They'd hide a book that they took from the king. They'd hide a candlestick under a coat. They'd put it in a suitcase. Every single one of them, the guy got him. But also every day, a little boy came in, and he gathered all the leaves that had fallen down around the kingdom, and every day he'd walk out with his wagon. He'd walk in, and he'd look, and he'd have something hidden in there, and the guy would see the thing in the leaves, and he'd take it out, and he'd let the kid go. That went on for a week. At the end of the week, the little boy came to the king, and he said, well, I get the million dollars. And the king said, no, the guard told me about you. He said, you tried to sneak some stuff in some leaves, but every single time he got it. And the little boy said, well, you better look around your kingdom. You don't own any more wagons. (laughs) We need to learn to change our perspective. We think we're so smart. We think we have it all figured out. We become like Elijah, stuck in the cave, negative and frustrated, and why are things the way they are? And God says, you know what the problem is sometimes? You need to talk to some others. You need to learn to have a different perspective. And we need to realize that when we're constantly putting the same thing under the magnifying glass, it's stealing our peace. So let's put the goodness of God under our magnifying glass. Let's put the goodness of God under a magnifying glass. If it's true that our thoughts are a magnifying glass and the more we focus on something, the larger it gets, why not put the goodness of God there? That's why in verses 15, 16, and 18, we'll skip over the part where those guys die. You can go back and reread that yourself. The Lord said to Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint over the king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shepheth, Abel-Melah, you shall anoint to be a prophet in your place. I will leave 7,000 in Israel, God says, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, the problem with Elijah is as great of a prophet as he was and as good as he had done and as amazing things he had done in his life, he still had one problem. He learned to focus on the wrong things. And as long as life was good and everything was going well, he was okay. 
But as soon as anything went bad, he got so obsessed and focused on it that that was all he could see. He's a good 21st century American. There's so much to be thankful for. There's so much that God is doing good. There's so many places that we can place our focus and we can work with that which is going well. He had success when he focused on God, but then, as we like to say, he took his will back. And God had Elijah focus on what was good. New kings, look at the good things that are happening. Here's a person who's going to follow you. One of the things that everybody's concerned about, if they've done good work, is it just going to fall when they're not there anymore? And he even got to see that Elisha is the one who's going to continue his work. And not only that, he got to focus on 7,000 people. He, he's thinking when he's looking in his own mind's view that he's the only one who's faithful. And God says, wait a second. Get together with the 7,000 brothers and sisters you have and go have a party. Have a rib off so you can make the best ribs and enjoy the day. You see, success didn't give Elijah peace and it won't give us peace. Hear that? Success did not give Elijah peace and it will not give us peace. We always think that if if one good thing could happen, if I could just get this, it's going to make me happy. No, it's not. Confronting the king and being right didn't give him peace. He was the ultimate social justice activist and got everything he wanted, and it still didn't make him happy because happiness and joy is still an inside job. No matter how well we do, if our focus is on the wrong thing, our focus is on the wrong thing. Elijah only found peace when he changed and looked at the goodness of God. So, Pastor Stan, with all that's wrong in this world, are you telling me that I should be looking for the good things and I shouldn't just be focused on all the negative things and posting and talking and worrying and getting myself upset? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Yes. If all we're doing is getting ourselves stewed up and worked up about things and worried about things and anxious about stuff, God has a message for us. Remember, the prophets are there to shake us up when things are going well and give us comfort when we're having a hard time. And the message of Elijah is it matters what we focus on. Because even this great man of God, this guy who does incredible things, goes to one of the darkest places, not because of the results of his actions, but the results of where he's placing his focus. Our thoughts are like a magnifying glass. The more we focus on it, the larger it gets. So why not focus on the goodness of God? You know, we get that choice. That's one of the great things that God has given us. It's called free will. We Methodists, Wesleyans, we love free will. God gives us free will. We get to make that choice ourselves. Nobody else can focus us on what we choose. Nelson Mandela, 20 years in prison, focusing on the right things and get through it. Watchman Nee, 30 years in prison, focuses on the right things and gets through it. Corey Ten Boom learns from her sister Betsy 
that a problem, of course, was the Nazis had locked them up, and that was awful. But she had another problem. She was always focused on the wrong thing. And her sister helped her to focus on something different so that she could come out of a concentration camp with a message that says, no pit is so deep that God's grace is not deeper still. There are people who have faced far more than a pandemic and things that we've gone through in life and have learned to get through it by trusting in God and staying positive and moving forward and learning to trust and learning to focus on that which is good. That's a message Elijah has for us. We do have Elijah cards. So if you're keeping your collection, you get an Elijah card with some information about Elijah and then some passages here to look up to make sure you read his story. But as we go through the prophets, let's hear their message. Because although these words and these stories are from thousands of years ago, as far as I can see, the world has not changed that much because we face the same things that they did. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, help us to see your grace and your goodness all around. Help us to realize that often we get ourselves completely worked up because we do focus on the wrong things. And we get to make that choice of where our magnifying glass will magnify in our lives the things that we need to carry with us and move forward with. You are loving and gracious and faithful. You've put people in our lives for us to talk to and build relationships with and encourage, and you continue to want us to know that your will is for us to be transformed, as Paul says, by the renewing of our mind. Help us learn, especially today, the lessons of Elijah and guide us in the days and weeks ahead to trust in you and know that you are sovereign and good and help us work with those who are seeking to do good in our life and in our world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.